0: just Lord Precious Lord Take my hand
1: Listen and receive a reading from the word of God. faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 through 20. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord, your God, walking in his way, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, And to Jacob. This is God's word to God's people.
2: Nixon is a uh, very successful local church pastor who, after uh, a decade or two of doing that, became a church growth consultant. and In today's vernacular, that's a, a church coach, they're called. I've gotten the chance to meet Paul and work a little bit with him, and I've been very impressed by him. He's written a number of books, and maybe you'd want to take a look, and uh, whichever one you would choose, I'm sure, would be uh, worth your time reading, Rachel and I have uh, worked together and, and uh, thought through one of his books, which is called, I Refuse to Lead a Dying Church. And it's not because Rachel and I think you're a dying church. We don't. We're here because we don't think you're a dying church. We think you are a vibrant church that wants to become more effective and thriving, but there's some good stuff, some good thoughts in this book. And we're going to think it out loud with you over these next couple weeks and lift up some of the dichotomies that, that Paul mentions between being a church that's effective and thriving or being an individual believer who is faithful and nurturing of others to a church that's a little morbid or uh, in decline or an individual who now is no longer growing in their faith. He says he refuses to lead a dying church and he invites all of us lay and clergy alike to be people of churches that also refuse to be a part of a dying church. He says that in the light of all the challenges in our culture, there's no reason churches of Christ Jesus can't be thriving and effective if, one, they've experienced the saving grace of the Lord in their hearts, they they know what that is, and two, They pay attention to the people outside the doors well enough to understand what their yearnings and needs are and how to reach out with that grace and touch them. So that's what we're going to be thinking about this whole year, particularly this opening six weeks of this year. How is it that we can become a little more intimate with Jesus? and a little bit more welcoming of others with that spiritual grace that Jesus conveys. One of the dichotomies that Paul lifts up is the choice between life and death. And he looks at that through Eyes that have maybe walked a little bit on both sides of that choice line and, and we might resonate with him that way as well. That there have been times in our lives when we have clearly chosen life. And other times when we have slid into perhaps choosing things that are of death. Moses is journeying with his brothers and sisters out of Egypt across the Red Sea into the Promised Land was the hope, but he didn't get there. He's on the Moab Mountains. He's on that ridge right over the River Jordan. He is about to die up there. He looks down on what is called the Promised Land, and he he says uh, to his buddy Joshua, well, it looks like you're going to do this, not me. But I have a few last things to say to you, and that's what this part of Deuteronomy is about, Moses' final words to his people before he dies. And the part that I've lifted up for you is, is the part where he, not depressingly, but very directly talks to his people about choosing life rather than choosing death as they move forward. He calls it a, an option of life and prosperity or death and adversary. He then reframes it, and again he says, I lift up for you the choice of life and death, of blessing and curses. Choose wisely, he says. And he's been telling them all along, and he reiterates again in this passage, what is the life side? What is the blessing side? Well, that is loving God with all that you are. And following rightly in God's commandments. And what is the curse side? The, the dying side? Well, that's having something else be God. Other than God. Idolatry was big in those days. And I dare say, I think it's kind of big nowadays too. Where people put other things as God in their lives. Rather than God. So today let's think a bit about what this might look like this choosing of life or choosing of death in an individual way for us just as people because good golly all of, who among us would actually choose to be cursed raise your hands Who would choose death over life? None of us. We all all want blessing. We all want life. Yet somehow this is still an issue. 2,000, no, 3,000 years later that you've got this character in front of you on this Sunday talking about choosing life or choosing death. So it's not that we willfully, and lots of times we don't even knowingly choose wrongly. But we seem to somehow get misled or or fooled, somehow not see things clearly, and end up choosing poorly. So what might this look like? Well, the obvious one of of choosing idols would be, I I guess, saying that we would make money our God, or we would make status our God, or would we make uh, power, the, the thriving for power, be the most important thing in our lives. Or maybe we would make our uh, pleasure, maybe we make pleasure the God. I don't, Many of us raised in the 60s were accused of having pleasure be the, our God. It manifests itself in a variety of ways. Idolatry of setting something up as the primary thing of your life that you worship, rather than God? My take on the near depression recession of 2007 is that there were a number of people for a number of years that were looking at money as their God and wanting to get as much of it as quickly as they could, regardless of how. Is that a fair assessment? I don't know. Certainly, there's a number of men in our society right now that are getting their canuppance because they were putting as the God of their life, their pleasure, or their power over co-workers. Now, they may have thought they were faithful people, too, at the same time, but you've got to wonder, how could they? Or they must have just been fooling themselves, right? Because that isn't faithful behavior, is it? They're doing something else about God than Christ Jesus. So that might be one example of of where we might notice that we can fall into idolatry. Another way that comes to my mind of of where we, we choose death in our lives rather than life is when we get very comfortable and feel like the way things are for us right now is just the best way and we're not going to change. You're fighting the laws of nature and you're fighting God's spirit when you sit yourself down in that chair because God is driving you into the future, having you become somebody else as time unfolds in your life. And if you want to just be the person you are in 1983, you're working against God rather than with God. Jesus talks about how pruning is important to our spiritual well-being. Do you remember that story? And what pruning is, is letting go of some things. Or perhaps having the gardener take some things away. Pruning is having some things pass away and other things then able to emerge and blossom. You can't stay the way you are. If you want to just stay the way you are, you're choosing death rather than choosing life. We want to be people that choose life that worship the living Lord and are open to change because that's where life is. Ironically or paradoxically, Jesus tells us that the best way to benefit yourself is to not pay so much attention about yourself. And if you're valuing yourself over other people, you haven't been listening to Jesus because he's telling you that the best way to bring blessing to yourself is by caring for others. Those who seek to save their lives will lose their lives, he says, remember that? One of the ways we choose decline in ourselves, lack of vigor in ourselves, is to be totally wrapped up in ourselves. If we want to be alive, we have to raise our vision above our ego to all the others around us. And in the serving of the others, we will find that we are served. That's Jesus' golden rule. Said just a little differently. So these are some ways that we can choose life or choose death as individuals, and we want to choose life. We want to be vibrant as individuals. We should be thinking of these things. Be mindful about, have we set up any idols? Are we, are we uh, so patterned in our ways that there's no room for growth? Are we so wrapped up in ourselves that we don't even notice the other? But this dichotomy happens also for groups of people, for congregations. How do congregations get idolatrous? Or what would be an example of that? I think one of the examples is uh, some some congregations that I have experienced see, see the Bible as their God rather than the channel through which God communicates. There are some congregations who are so confident in the way they do their worship or they do their service that other ideas about how to do that are, are just totally off base. Now, I don't, I don't think that we have worship wars in this congregation, so I, I made a little fun with Ron at the first service. Some people, and maybe you are among some of the people, think that if we were not to have Ron or Gloria here, we could not possibly worship because worship is organ. <laughs> worship is classical, great music, and that is true. Worship is that, and I am so glad I'm here to have the benefit of what I'm being Convinced is the best music program in the Canao Valley with some of the great leaders of music. But worship happens other ways. And we can affirm that as much as we enjoy this. We can affirm that that's not God. God is God and this is just a way by which. And if somebody can find their way to God, oh geez, through an electric guitar? And, and drums, God bless them. Maybe we're not going to do that, but God bless that person. It's not just the way. I don't know. It's, congregations maybe can become idolatrous in some ways or another, but they certainly can get stuck in their ways, can't they? And what's so disturbing about this is that our ways feel Right. And they feel good and they're comfortable and that's why we're here. We like what we do, right? We like what we do. But if that's our total preoccupation, then we're going to reach nobody with God's Spirit beyond those who are already here. Somehow... We need to find ways as congregations, Methodist churches, Protestant churches, find ways that affirm and delight in what we enjoy and do now while also finding ways of opening new doors and windows to people that are not turned on by organ music or are not turned on by liturgy and be able to share with them Christ's love. Mosey Naem wrote a book called The End of Power. I commend it to you if you can remember it. It talks about the revolutions of mobility and more and uh, mentality. Three, three dominant things that he describes. Enjoy the book. But what he's talking about is that the world is different now. And even though IBM still exists and GM still exists, the way corporations run, the way ideas are passed around, the way money is made, the way power is exerted, is different and becoming more and more different now than the 40s and the 50s. And all institutions, the church included, can hunker down and try to stay in the 50s or they can somehow break out of the box and try to figure out what is going on and how do we play this game. Somewhat disconcerting, but when you see the decline of membership of Protestant churches, of Methodist churches, of just people going to church in our country, of people affirming that there is a God in our country, don't we realize that the choosing of life or death is a real, question. And if we want life for ourselves and for our community and our culture, these kind of things we need to be attentive to. No false idols. Let God be God. Be willing to risk because God is a risk taker and God will walk you through it into your new and better self. care for the other person more than you do for yourself, and you'll be cared for. Choose life, Moses said. Choose life, Jesus says. Choose life, and you will be blessed. We will be blessed as a congregation. Amen.